I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 118. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Deborah Parker. She's been the broker business for 10 years, part of the DLC CME network based out of Cranbrook, BC. We talk about a great strategy on how to set up your finances prior to launching your broker business. If you're thinking about getting in the business or new, you should definitely listen to this. Why you should get out and get involved in your community and why she never tells anyone they are declined and what, but what she does tell them. This episode is sponsored by the career section of the I Love Mortgage Brokering site. The career section allows mortgage brokers who are trying to decide where to hang their license to connect with brokerages that are hiring. It's kind of like a dating service for brokers and owners. If you're a broker looking at options, go to the site, put in your postal code, and you'll get a list of brokerages and recruiting in your area. You can compare things like company size, do they have office space, which lenders they have status with, etc. Check out ilovemortgageworking.com, find your perfect match, and check out this interview with Deborah. I think you're going to love it. Hey, Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to always know how you got into the mortgage business because no one says when they're a little kid they want to be a mortgage broker when they grow up. So how did you end up here? I ended up in the mortgage broker business about 10 years ago. Prior to that, I was in the consumer finance industry and I just wasn't happy with what I was doing. I didn't feel like I was able to be truthful and honest with my clients and it just wasn't sitting well with me anymore. So it was time to make a change and I had my license and my course and I knew how to do mortgages. So I figured I would take the step and leaped into the business. And here I am 10 years later, still going strong. So did you go from a salaried position to a straight commission? I went to a salaried position straight to commission, but we did set ourselves up to be able to take the hit of my income not being there. So so how did you, just out of curiosity, how did you do that? Basically what we did is um, we paid out all of our debt and what we couldn't pay out, we consolidated into our mortgage and we made sure we had an unsecured line of credit handy to work as <laughs> an extra little bit of cash flow in the meantime until I started bringing in money mm-hmm. again on a regular basis and that worked really well for getting into the business and getting going. So essentially you made like a runway for yourself to get your business launched. Absolutely. Definitely made a runway because I didn't want to put ourselves into a situation where we weren't going to be able to meet our financial obligations ourselves. So how long was it before you actually knew that you were like, okay, I think I got, I got this. Like what, how, what was the, before the wheels lifted off, I guess, if we use that metaphor. I was probably about six months into the business, but I had a unique situation because we started in Cranbrook here and my husband took a promotion with his job. So we moved to a really tiny community of about a thousand people. But within my first year, I made the top 20% of mortgage brokers in Canada with that company. So... Wow. And then uh, that was in a community of a thousand people. Did you just go and refinance everybody's home or how did you do that? (laughs) I put an ad in the newspaper. I had some decals on my vehicle. I went and talked to the notary and the real estate agents in the community and neighboring communities. And they all welcomed me with open arms and referred business to me. And which community was this in, if you don't mind me asking? It was in the Vale Mount community, which is up north past Kamloops, um, near McBride. So what percentage of your business would have come 
out of that area? To start with, because I was so new into the mortgage broker business, mm-hmm. I would say probably 90 percent, 75 to 90 percent of my business. Mind you, being in the top 20 percent was based on my units. It was not based on taller volume. Mm-hmm. Like what? And then probably the average mortgage size there was quite a bit smaller. It, it was significantly smaller. I think my average size was about 150 thousand. Right. That's good. Well, that's amazing. That's a good story of how you d- the size of your market doesn't matter if you get out there and start hustling and working and and I mean hustle in the good way, not in like you know being not a sleazy hustle. No, no, exactly. Um, okay, so before we dive into more of your story, I want to ask about a success quote that's had an impact on your life or business because I love how quotes are memorable, they're portable, and I personally use them like a compass to keep me on track. So, what's your? Do you have anything that's really had an impact on you? One of my favorite ones is don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid not to try. How have you applied that to your life or your business? The way I've applied it to my business is you you have to take that step in. You have to take that leap in. You'll never know if something's going to work or not unless you try. So the only option is, is to try. And that goes along with every really difficult file that I come across. And it's like you don't know until you actually try. You go into it with a positive attitude that it's going to work and go from there. Can you give an example of something that you had tried or that you decided that you would give a go and actually worked? You were surprised that you're like, hey, this actually, that you had like, you know, that pleasant surprise feeling? A really good success story that I wasn't sure if it would work. I had a client that I was working with for a couple of years. He had some credit issues. So We did our due diligence. We worked on the credit issues. We got them all fixed. We got things to where his credit score was now qualifying. All the past issues were dealt with and far enough off his credit bureau to make it satisfactory for a lender. Mm -hmm. And what the client wanted to do was to be able to refinance his existing home and purchase an additional home so he could have a rental property. Mm-hmm. So worked with him consistently. It was a bit of a struggle at times and with getting everything repaired and whatnot and keeping positive and keeping in touch with him on a regular basis, we were able to, in the end, get it to all work out and be successful with him purchasing a new property. And a few months later, he had a friend that wanted to do the same thing and had almost the same exact issues and whatnot. So again, we worked through the process and got him in a place. Birds of a feather, right? Yeah. And so uh, how long from start to finish did it take to get this sort of person who wasn't going to be workable to actually being able to make it work? It was a year and a half to two years of consistent being in touch and talking and communicating and updating and double checking with Equifax to see if things were updated instead of pulling a credit bureau report and Equifax was really great to work with as well. Right. And so do you, were you proactive in that conversation or did you just tell them, Hey, reach out to me every three months or just again, like how how did that work? How did that play out? Oh, I was definitely proactive. I set follow up dates and call all my clients on a regular basis when I'm working with them. And even when I'm not working with them, I, call to touch base um, just to see where things are at, see what's new, see what's been done, make sure they're they're on track and keeping their side of the. Mm-hmm. That's really good. You got to have the long, uh, like a long-term perspective on your business. Some people are like, I can't help you today. Get out of the, you know, next move on. Yeah, but- exactly. Yeah. I've, I've never told anybody that they're declined. 
that they're turned down, what I tell them is we've got some things we need to work on. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you're willing to do, to do the work, I'll help you through the process and mm-hmm. we'll get it done eventually. Right. That's good. And so and now I'm going to flip to the other side of that question because my next question that I want to ask you is about failure. I know speaking to successful mortgage brokers, business owners, failure happens. It's never fatal or final, but there's always a lesson in it. Could you share something that you failed at, but looking back, there was a lesson? Failure that really sticks out. There's not a lot that actually really, really stick out to me as being failures per se, because of course, don't be afraid to fail, be afraid not to try. I would say the only thing that I've really failed at is the odd time when you get a client and they're bank people and they're, they have just decided in their mind that they don't want to deal with you or deal with the banks that you have access to. And they turned around and went back through their own bank after talking to you for a few months. Right. And so when you have you can you think of an example of where you actually were like, hey, this is I had some part in how this played out and there was a lesson in it for you. You know what? They they were just client specific. They had a lot of influence from parents and whatnot that were really old school. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing was at the end of the day to basically give them your blessing and say, you know what, if that's the route you think you need to take, that's the route that you need to go with. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's best to just kind of part, you know, cut your losses, yeah. move on and let them, if you're not the right fit and just, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's, it's your choice. You need to be comfortable with the choice you're making and go with that choice. Right. No, that's good advice. So can you share an example of a way that you build sort of build referrals from your, da- your clients or your database to you? Like, how do you stay in touch or what's your, what's your plan? The way I stay in touch with my clients is I actually use my reminder application on my Apple computer and I have everything categorized in there. I put in the client's names and phone numbers, um, whether it be their anniversary dates or that it's just a general follow-up to touch base and see how they're doing, to see how things are progressing with saving up for down payment or paying off certain debts. That's probably my main go-to system for keeping in touch with my clients. I get my daily reminders. They pop up on my screen and they're right there in front of me. Mm -hmm. Do you, if they pop up, do you always deal with them? Because I know I have like reminders built in and sometimes I'm like, oh, this feels like a level three priority, not a level one. How do you, like, do you, are you super disciplined and you do them even when they feel like not a level one priority? Sometimes I'll look at them and some of them I've spoken to since the last time I'd spoken to. So I'll readjust their date and I'll decide that they can be moved further down the road. Other ones, it's like, no, I need to talk to these people right away. But sometimes it takes me an extra day or two to get to them, depending on the workload and Mm -hmm. how things are sitting and everything else. Right. Yeah, I find that prior to being in this, I was a paramedic. And so one of the things you had to do was triage, which is sort of prioritize, which were your people that were gone, ones that are dead, you can't do anything about, but the ones that are kind of, and I feel like in my, this job, we have to do that all the time. We have to constantly look at the tasks on our plate and not do them in order of first in, first out, but like which patients need the attention first, right? Yes, definitely. So, okay. Then I want to ask about an administrative process or system that you had. So if you 
Can you share an example of an administrative system or process that maybe didn't work as well as you'd like in a change that you made? You know what? I actually found the biologics administrative process didn't work well for me. It really bothered me that I didn't have something flash up on my screen or give me that reminder, that nudge. So I stopped using that system. And as I would go through some of those follow-ups, I would move them into my daily reminder follow-up application and get them converted that way because the other system just didn't work well because I need something staring me in the face without actually having to go look for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm the same way. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't use Phylogics is in my mind is just a bridge to the island that has all the lenders, but it's certainly not where you manage your files from. In my opinion, there's a lot of things it doesn't do very well, but it's what we have. And that's, that's with any system. There's, Things yeah. that could be perfected. And and then the other reality is everybody's so different. Their personalities are different. So you're never going to build a solution where everybody's going to be like, everybody loves it, right? Somebody's going to be like, that's not how I want to do it. So absolutely, that's the other reality. Okay. So I want to ask about diversifying your income. So one of the things I speak to a lot of mortgage brokers, there's kind of two camps. One camp says you should you know, sell insurance and any other sort of get share of wallet. You get more lines of business, the more people are, are more loyal. Another camp says, no, I just stick to mortgage brokering. I just want to know which camp you fall in. And if you do cross sell, what products are you focusing on? I do cross sell just because with my background history in the consumer finance industry, we cross sold a lot of things. So I do cross sell the MPP. Now that we have access to InsureLine, I've been offering that to my clients as well too, and making them aware of that option. I've even cross-sold the CFF, unsecured line of credit, to a few people that needed it for an interim. So mm-hmm. if it's there available, I'll offer it to my clients. Right. So you're more solution. You see a problem, and if you can find a solution, you'll connect the two. Absolutely. Especially with something like a line of, an unsecured line of credit. If I don't need to send them to their bank to get it, then. Right. <laughs> and if I can help manage it, then I would. Definitely will do that. That's really good. And so how do you balance your running your mortgage practice and family? Because it seems like like if you the more successful you become as a mortgage broker, the more time it takes to get your work done. But then it's like, how how are you managing that that dynamic or that tension? I definitely try to schedule in some personal time, even if it's only an hour, an evening sort of thing, whether it's coming home from the office and I head out into the woods for a run or a bike ride or running with the kids or something, get them to their sports activities. I always schedule in time for that in the evenings. And if I have to reopen up my laptop where I can't keep things down to a dull roar by managing it off my phone, then I go into that or I'll start really early in the morning, do a couple hours at like 5am and Get some when stuff there's no done. phone calls and it's actually yeah. it's pretty good that way. Really uninterrupted time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I try I try really hard to be selfish with weekends because in this business we do tend to give up a lot of our evenings. Um, even though I try to schedule in a lot of things in my evenings and take time for myself, sometimes I do let the clients override that time and have that time because it is the only time that works for them. But I do try to be extra selfish with my weekends. Right. Yeah, that's good. So I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. You can answer these as shorter answers if you like. So what is the one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? 
I think the one thing holding mortgage brokers back from being successful is not getting out into the community and getting involved and just getting out and hanging out with people on a social basis. Myself, I belong to a mountain bike club and running club and other cycling clubs and triathlon club. So I'm getting involved with other people and I'm helping them in other ways as well too and connecting with them. Mm -hmm. So they get to know me as an individual and a person outside of the office. Right. Yeah. I've always, I've found that I've had good success with joining or doing different things, Toastmasters, running club. And I don't go there going to hand out my card. I just go there to be yep. the learn and to be the best at whatever that is, like do my best Sorry, And I found that you'll get business if you have, you know, even a, a decent personality. So absolutely take a role in the club, be someone accountable that they can count on. Mm -hmm. And or I've coached like my kid's soccer team or um, I, be, I can't, I'm not very good at sitting on the sidelines. So if I'm there, I want to be like, I want to be in and doing something. So, um, okay. So what do you, one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? The one thing or habit that's made me successful, I strongly believe is again, getting involved in groups, getting out there, people knowing that you're a real person as well too, and that you have family and you like to do activities and, Having something so they can relate to. Right. Make you a, like a, a real person, not just a machine who makes does mortgages. Absolutely. Uh, although I think Dustin Woodhouse might be that machine. <laughs> I think <laughs> I he's think a so. cyborg. I think he's a cyborg. I, he's, he, I don't know if you listen to this, but he'll be like, cyborg, really, Scott? Um, because he's like, you know, mortgage, mortgage. It's like, he's, he's very good at it, though. That's why I love talking to him. He makes me feel, or he makes, yeah. me, makes me smarter. I think he makes everybody smarter. Mm -hmm. um, he's the guy who brings the average up, right? Like the average IQ oh. up or something in a room. So Absolutely. So do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful? You know what? Basically, I just utilize my Apple computer to its fullest. There's not a whole lot of specific things. I use Excel spreadsheets for keeping track of things as well as the reminder application. Um, on my phone, I'll use the scanner app if I need it or any of the other widgets that are available from the default insurers. And so do you have a book you could recommend for our listeners? You know what? My favorite book so far is <laughs> Dustin Woodhouse's Be the Better Broker. You're the second person who said that to me in the last little bit. I'm, by the way, I'm going to edit this part out and I'm going to put in, I don't know, some other random book. <laughs> okay, there <laughs> no, we go. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you, Dustin. <laughs> I haven't actually read many books pertaining to mortgage brokering. It just was never anything that I'd really thought of picking up and reading. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I deal with this stuff all day long. It's good perspective and a good reminder. There's... If you've been in you've been in the business a long time, so it's a Absolutely. good reminder to be like, oh, this is a great business and and, and your your attitude makes such a difference in that. It refreshes you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Here's the last question. Um movie Back to the Future. Yes. So you remember the DeLorean, the car that you could get into travel in time? Totally. So if I could put you in the DeLorean, send you back 10 years, and you could sit down and have a conversation with yourself, what would you tell yourself to have a bigger, better business today? What three things? Try to find some brokers that I could gain some experience and knowledge from that had good reputations would be a huge one. Um, I came into the business more or less alone, learning as I went. I printed off lenders' manuals to study them and learn about the products and everything else. And I would have, if I could turn back time, I would have made the change to 
go outside of the brokerage that I was with. There are a lot of things that I didn't know about the industry um, and that I later found out that other agents were getting and everything else. And I was like, I get none of that at all, which makes it possible to do more within the community. So I would, I would make a change sooner and would have gotten involved in a bigger brokerage once I realized that it wasn't going to be all that scary and people were going to be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. Is there anything else that you'd tell, tell yourself? Buy Apple stock? <laughs> buy more investments? Sure. Yeah, buy as much real estate in Vancouver as I can and hold on for dear life. Absolutely. You know what? Yeah, if I could have bought more some real estate in Vancouver 10 years ago, I should have done it. That mm-hmm. would be a really good one. So where can people find you online? They can find me at www.debraparker.ca. Well, Deborah, I really appreciate your time today. And anybody listening can get links and show notes at ilovemortgagebroking.com. I really hope that you continue to crush your mortgage biz. And thanks for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.